Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Church Podcast. We're happy that you would join us for today's teaching. As a church, we're passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus, no matter who they are or where they are from. If you have any questions about Jesus, the church, or the teaching you're hearing today, please don't hesitate to contact us online at ericksoncovenant.ca. And now, let's listen to this week's teaching. We are living in an unprecedented time of uncertainty. I know that we're all feeling it. You know, as we've been reaching out to you as our leadership team, as pastors, uh, we've, been, we've been calling you, uh, emailing, uh, Zoom call, all that sort of things. This is what we've been hearing. Um, I, I'm beginning to get a sense of where we are at. Um, the fears that we're hearing or the, the things that we're sensing are that some of you are afraid of getting sick. Or, in particular, some of you have the fear of family members getting sick, particularly family members who are on the front line, healthcare workers and uh, nurses or people in care homes, uh, people in the grocery business. So there's a fear that maybe they'll get sick. Um, some of you, in particular, are starting to already feel the worry of financial struggles or what kind of economic impact is this going to have on you, on your family, on your kids. Others of you are struggling with just the anxiety around isolation, that you feel alone, and that the few social contacts you had are somehow now difficult. Uh, maybe even watching this video has been difficult because you aren't really techie. Others have been experiencing some worry about your future plans. Everything's been canceled. What's going to happen with school in the fall? Uh, how am I going to graduate? And so I understand that there is anxiety and there's fear that's happening because we are in an unprecedented time of uncertainty. It's not that we haven't experienced uncertainty before. Even in the last hundred years, things like the Spanish flu, obviously there's similarities, but the world wars, um, the Cold War, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and even 9-11, these were all times of tremendous uncertainty, and we can acknowledge that. But even as I've talked to our elders in the last few weeks, they've recognized that this is new territory. They haven't experienced this kind of thing before. And so we all acknowledge that no one really knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows when this is going to be resolved. No one knows what the death toll is going to be. No one knows what the economic impact is going to be. And just recognizing that, we thought it'd be important now to kind of take a pause on our regular act study to address our current situation. As I've prayed for you, and I've been considering um, what God would have to say to us as a community, there's a story that keeps coming back around to my heart and mind. It's an old story set in the time of the prophets, the time of the kings, back in the Old Testament in the book of 2 Kings. And this story has been a real encouragement to me. And so I wanted to share that story with you today from 2 Kings chapter 6. I invite you to read along in a Bible or maybe on your phone in the YouVersion app or even on your computer. You can open up another window, BibleGateway.com. Look up 2 Kings 6. We're going to start in verse uh, 8 and read through a bit. I'm going to give you a bit of the story and then I'm going to focus in on the heart of the story today. This is how it goes. Um, just a little bit of the setting. Uh, the northern kingdom of Israel has been at war with the kingdom of Aram. 
and they've been going back and forth together, and that's the setting of this story. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God, now that's referring to Elisha the prophet, but in this story you'll hear him referred to as the man of God. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, uh, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked in the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king. So he was always on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which one of us is on the side of the king of Israel? See, the king of Aram figured he has a mole in his court. Someone's been leaking the information. He didn't account for the fact that there was a true prophet of God on the other side. Well, none of us, my lord and king, said one of the officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Well, here's where it gets interesting. So when the servant of the man of God, this is like Elisha's protege, or if you like, Elisha's Padawan learner. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. You know, let's stop there for a moment. I can really empathize with how this guy must be feeling. Think about it. He's just wiping the sleep out of his eyes, and he looks around, probably on a rooftop, and he looks around the city and realizes, oh, my goodness, this entire army has come in the night, and they're surrounding us. How do you feel when you're surrounded? How do you feel when you're uncertain? I think we'd feel much like this guy. We'd realize we are in trouble and we'd ask the same question. What shall we do? Because you realize that in the face of this thing that's surrounding us, this enemy that's surrounding us, we are inadequate, we're weak, we're under-resourced, we're confused. We know we are in deep, deep trouble. Well, how does Elisha respond? He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, I can imagine the servant at this point thinking, yeah, right. I mean, maybe Elisha hasn't washed the sleep out of his eyes (laughs) because I'm not sure I would have found that overly convincing at, at this point. I mean, there's nobody on our side. It's the two of us here. And we're in a city that probably doesn't have a standing army. And here we are surrounded by this enemy. I mean, Elisha, aren't you sounding a little too cheery, a little too optimistic? It might even feel a little glib. Don't be afraid. I'm trembling in my boots here. What do you mean there's more people on our side? We're facing an enemy we can't possibly resist. Well, what's going on here? More than meets the eye. Elisha sees something that his servant doesn't see. And so, in verse 17, Elisha prayed. And this was his prayer. He said, 
Open his eyes, Lord, so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Just imagine it. The hills are bristling with spears, milling with horses, flashing with chariots, all gathering together with their might and their power to crush this one man, this spy, as it were. But then, just above that murderous mob, just beyond their gaping mouths and their violent stares, a larger contingent files in. Can you see it? Can you imagine it? Files in, but this contingent, these horses and these chairs, they're all aflame with fire, the power and the majesty of God. Yes, there's an army surrounding Dothan. There's an army surrounding them. Yes, they're intent on harm, but they are not the whole story. They're never the whole story. Open his eyes, Lord. That's the prophet's prayer. And then, boom, he's able to see what's been true all along but has been hidden from his eyes. The army of the enemy may surround them, but the armies of God are surrounding us all. Now, the story goes on, and it's a great rest of the story. I encourage you to read it because what happens is the, the eyes are open to the servant, but then through a, a variety of powerful means, the whole army is struck blind. But instead of slaughtering them, Elisha leads them to the capital city, sits them down, gives them a meal, and then lets them all go home. And the story actually has a bit of a happy ending. I encourage you to read it. But for us, the main point today is this. When fear presses in close, when we feel like the army, the enemy, is ready to crush us, we are called to lift our eyes and see who is surrounding us. To look past our greatest fears, to look past our greatest foes and see that we have a greater father. We have a greatest friend. What we need is actually an apocalypse. Now, I know that's a term that, uh, that gets bandied about, especially at a time where we are experiencing a global pandemic. But do you remember what the word apocalypse means? Now, if you've been with the Erickson Covenant Church for a while, you might already know. In our common use, the word apocalyptic, we, we know what it means. We know what an apocalyptic movie is or a post-apocalyptic uh, book or story. It, it's all about when everything's devastating. Everything's come crumbling down. The whole world has fallen. But we talked about at length as a church when we explored the book of Revelation, which is called the apocalypse of Jesus Christ, that in its original context, the word apocalypse didn't mean something devastating that happened. I know that's how it's used today. I even use it that way sometimes. But in, in, in its original context, apocalypse means an unveiling. If you imagine a curtain and someone's standing behind that curtain that no one can see, an apocalypse is when the curtain is drawn back so you can see that someone is there that you didn't realize was present. That's what the apocalypse of Jesus Christ, or the Revelation, the last book in the Bible, is all about. It shows through that epic poem that Jesus is right in the middle of the mess. That though there are difficult things happening, that though the church is beleaguered and facing persecution, Christ is present. And we need an apocalypse to see him, to notice him, to realize that God is present. You know, just as a side note, uh, we spent 
close to a year going through the book of Revelation together as a church. And I don't know, maybe you have been subjected to certain kinds of teaching through Revelation, even lately, that has maybe made you fearful or made you uncertain. And I encourage you, maybe during this time of isolation, you can go back. You can listen to all those messages. They're found at ericksoncovenant.ca under the messages tab. And uh, you too can have a little bit more of an apocalypse. But for us, we need an apocalypse right now. We need an unveiling. We need the curtain pulled back. This is what Elisha's servant needed. Elisha prayed that his eyes would see. He prayed that he would have an apocalypse, that he would have the curtain pulled back so that he could see what was really true all along. It wasn't as though it suddenly meant that they appeared. It means that they were there the whole time, that as big as this enemy was, God was bigger. And that's what we need. As fearsome as the armies are, God is more fearsome. We need to know that. That as overwhelming as the fears can be, God is greater than any foe that seeks to destroy us. That he's present, that he's powerful, and that he is just as committed today to continuing his work in us and through us and for this world. Now, I've been reading as part of my morning reading uh, a book that Tennille got me, uh, a gift, an ordination gift. Uh, It's a collection of sermons from Eugene Peterson. And and just last week, I was reading uh, one of the sermons, and, and this really struck me as I was thinking about our message today, and I wanted to read it to you. He said this, Eugene Peterson. He said, There is more to everything than we can see or hear or touch or taste. And the largest part of that more is God in all the operations of the Trinity. The gospel is the joining of heaven and earth, and the Christian life becomes a patient and persistent invocation that God's holiness and kingdom and will on earth become as they are in heaven. I was really struck by that, that there is more than we can see or touch or taste or feel, that God is all around us. And in some ways, that's where our Acts story ties in, right? As we've been seeing the Father at work through the Spirit to let everyone know what has has been done through the Son, His death, His resurrection, all the operations of the Trinity, operational today, present to us today. And friends, we need to know that. We need to see that. We need to have the curtain pulled back so that we can see that even though there's tremendous uncertainty right now, we have a God who is present, a God that we can trust, a God who surrounds us. Now, our situation is quite different than Elisha and his servant in the city of Dothan, but the truth, it's the same. And I'd like to offer three ways that we can practice this scene, even as we continue to experience together this time of isolation, this time of uncertainty. The first way of seeing is actually starting with our ears, starts with listening. The first way of seeing that we can practice is by putting into our hearts and minds key scriptures that remind us of what is true, that remind us of who God is, that he is present with us. At the start of this year, I challenge you to take up the memorization of Scripture as a key habit in our spiritual lives. And I know a number of you have been doing that. You've been talking to me about it. This week, as I talked to one of you on the phone, you told me that you have been, you memorized the, the Psalm 139 about how God is always with us and how before you get up in the morning, you recite Psalm 139 before you even get out of bed. 
I share that with all of you to say, this is a beautiful way that we can listen, put God's word and truth into our lives so that we can see God's presence. You might want to memorize the scripture that Amanda read at the beginning of our service from Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. You might want to memorize Psalm 23. Whatever it is, we can practice seeing God's presence, the God who surrounds us, by putting scripture, God's word, into our minds. It's actually an important way that we combat what can, for some of us, be a constant barrage of news media, news cycles, even scrolling through Facebook, which is, for some of us, quite overwhelming. Yes, we need to have good, up-to-date information on what's happening with this COVID-19 pandemic. That's true. But if we're honest, we don't need a steady diet of it. And for some of us, I know I've also been chatting with a few of you about this, we might need to practice even a little bit of social media distancing during this time because we can find that our fears are being fed more than our faith, that we're so inundated with information about it that that becomes the dominant thing in our mind. Yes, we need to know what's going on, but we don't want to let any other word than God's be the dominant voice in our heart and our mind. We want to fill our own cycle, our own news cycle, as it were, with good news. And by memorizing God's word, that enables us to, I think, do that. So my first encouragement to you is to put God's truth into our heart and mind. The second one is to practice lifting your eyes, similar to how Elisha and his servant did. I think lifting our eyes is important in two ways. First of all, that we name the enemy, that we acknowledge the fears that we have. I mentioned some of them at the beginning, that we are able to name, this is the fear I have, this is the enemy I see, this is the anxiety that I'm carrying. Name it. Name it. That's the army that's surrounding you. That's the enemy you can see. But then as you name that, then lift your eyes a little further and notice the God who surrounds all of that. The God who surrounds us completely. Acknowledge the Father who is present in the midst of our fear and our struggle and our uncertainty. He is there. One of the ways we can do that, that naming the fear and noticing God's presence, is to flip our worries into prayers. One of you asked me a while back, is it wrong to worry? And my encouragement to you is the same for all of us. Those moments when we find ourselves cycling through our worries and our concerns, that we simply take that and we turn it into prayer. We flip it over into prayer. We say, I'm going to use that thing I would have normally done where I'm worrying. I'm simply going to bring that to the Father who is present here, who is with us in our fear and in our struggle. The third thing I want to offer you is the prayer of St. Patrick. I've been offering this in a variety of ways over the last few weeks. And in a few minutes in communion, I'll offer the full prayer to you. But this is a wonderful prayer that I encourage you to learn. It's a prayer of surrounding, of remembering that Christ is with us. It, it features words like Christ being before us and behind us and on our right and on our left. And it's acknowledging that wherever we go, we, we, we go in the presence of Christ, who is with us, who is in us, who is all around us. And so it's a prayer that I offer to you, and I invite you to use it, memorize it even, pray it, particularly when you're going into a situation that, that raises your fears or raises your concerns, or you think about people in your life that you're concerned about. Use it to pray for them. As I said, I'll pray that a little bit later when we are going into communion. 
Well, the fourth way we can practice seeing, I said there were three, those were our three main applications, but the fourth way that we can practice seeing, we're gonna do now. We're gonna participate in communion together, recognizing that as we participate, we are also seeing the presence of Christ. Join us in that. The thing about communion is that there's more going on than meets the eye. When we participate in the juice or the bread, we recognize that Christ is with us here at the table. It is the meal that represents for Christians that God is present. He is with us. And whenever we gather around this table, we're reminded of that. And that's why I say communion is a beautiful way of lifting our eyes so that we can see beyond, see beyond the particular struggle to see the God who is with us. Now, I don't know where you are today or who you are with. Maybe you are alone right now by yourself watching this on your computer or on your phone. Maybe you're with one other person or maybe you have a bunch of little ones running around. But wherever you are today, whoever you're with or if you are all alone, I invite you to to grab the bread, grab the juice and to join in this time of communion, knowing that together by the Spirit, we are participating in this promised life that Jesus has given to us. That even as you take today, you're being reminded, you're being blessed with the presence of Christ in your life. And so I invite you just to join in to this. I want to open with a time, with a prayer, sorry, of thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we can be together today. Jesus, for your sacrifice, we celebrate you. And Holy Spirit, for bringing this to all of us, wherever we are at, we bless you and thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let me read for you from 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Come to this sacred table, not because you must, but because you may. Come to testify, not that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on the grace of God, but because in your frailty and sin, you stand in constant need of God's mercy and help. Come not to express an opinion, but to seek God's presence and pray for the Spirit. And that's your invitation to come. So Amanda and I are going to participate together with all of you as you participate in your own homes, taking the body of Christ, which is broken for us, and his blood, which is shed for us.
as we move toward our finish today, I just want to pray for you. I want to let you know that I have been praying for you. And uh, I want to particularly come back to that prayer that I mentioned already earlier in my message about St. Patrick's prayer. Sometimes it's called the Lorica or the breastplate. And it's a beautiful prayer of how Christ surrounds us. I've been praying it for you. I've been praying it in particular um, throughout the days, but also as I've been running. I've been trying to run for physical exercise, but I've also been incorporating prayer into that, where I've been praying for you individually, you as family. Um, I've been praying that God's Spirit would fill each one of us, that during this time of isolation, we would be drawn more deeply into communion with Him. That's my, my prayer. Uh, and I've been praying this prayer for you. And that's the prayer I want to offer you, offer you, offer him St. Patrick. And I want to invite you to use this prayer. Um, there's a lot of different versions of it. But to use this prayer for you, maybe when you're going into a situation that you're uncertain of. Maybe you're a healthcare worker and you feel every day as you're going into work, you're potentially exposed. Maybe you're in some other essential service. Take this prayer, learn it, pray it, print it, post it. Uh, but for any one of us, times when we're anxious, I invite you to take this prayer of St. Patrick, uh, to make it your own, to see how the God who surrounds you is with you, and to pray this. This is St. Patrick's prayer. Christ, be with me. Christ, before me. Christ, behind me. Christ, in me. Christ, beneath me. Christ, above me. Christ, on my right. Christ on my left. Christ where I lie. Christ where I sit. Christ where I arise. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Christ. May your salvation, O Lord, be ever with us. Amen. As we finish today, I just want to give you a couple quick notes before we finish with our final song. The first one is to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. We just started the ability to be able to electronically fund transfer EFT giving, and I know quite a number of you have signed up for that, so thank you. If you haven't or haven't heard about this yet, you can use this email, ericksoncovenantgiving at gmail.com. That's ericksoncovenantgiving at gmail.com through your online banking platform and give directly to the church through that. You don't need a password. You can just use it. Of course, if you're already signed up for automatic giving or you have decided to mail in your check, that is perfectly fine. But we wanted to enable you through that platform to give more easily. And I just want to thank you Knowing that there is a lot of financial uncertainty right now, I want you to know how grateful I am that you would continue uh, your giving. The second thing I want to highlight is just what we've already said, which is to make sure you're signed up for emails or you're on our Facebook page. We want to be able to communicate with you very directly during this time and offer different ways of connecting. Last week, uh, 26, 27 of us enjoyed a Zoom call together where we had coffee online. And I know that those who participated really enjoyed it. And I hope to be able to do more things like that. And so be in the know. Make sure you're getting our emails and uh, make sure you're on, on the uh, Facebook if you are on Facebook. And just we want to be able to communicate with you. The third thing I want to say has to do with connecting with me as your pastor. I want to let you know that 
I'm available to you. Now, uh, at other times, you would drop by the office or you'd send me a text and we'd go grab a coffee. You know how much I love that. Um, well, we can't do that right now, but I want to let you know that that doesn't mean I'm unavailable. Um, reach out to me and we can set up a time over, over uh, Facebook Messenger video, even over the phone, or set up a Zoom call. It can be private. You and I can meet. We can pray together. We can talk together. We can connect. I'm available to you as your pastor. Uh, and I think for some of us during this time, uh, that might be something that would be really helpful. So I just want to invite you uh, to reach out. As we finish today, we're going to finish with a song that's become a bit of a theme song for us. The God of Angel Armies, Whom Shall I Fear, written by Chris Tomlin. Actually inspired somewhat by the text of the story we looked at today with Elisha and his servant, seeing what was unseen. And so I invite you, as we finish today, to absorb the beauty of these words, the truth of these words, that really, with the God of Angel Armies around us, there's no one that we need to fear. May the Lord bless you today. Thank you for listening. We hope today's teaching provided you with life-changing truth and valuable insight. We hope you've learned of some practical steps forward in your spiritual journey, whether you're finding Jesus for the first time or you have been following him for years. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by what you heard today? We invite you to share this podcast so they can be encouraged too. For more information or to ask more questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the Erickson Covenant Church.